Hello. Hello. Okay, it worked. I'm always surprised to hear your beautiful voice. <laughs> so clear. So clear. It is. All right. I hate the sound of my voice, so maybe that's why I've been putting this off. <laughs> I understand. Um, right. You couldn't possibly. You're a singer. A songstress. A songstress. I, eh, I criticize myself a lot when I listen to my recordings. Does it everyone? Yeah. All right. So, our first episode of Conspiracy Sisters is about human experiments. And I wasn't sure if we wanted to do like like secret human experience, like experiments from like the government or just like people who experiment on humans and it's like well known. So, we it was a very broad topic and i needed to um you know shorten it down to something (laughs) more specific um so i did mine on james marion sims do you want me to go first yes can i just okay whenever i want yeah just you know we'll just have a conversation it's fun (laughs) (laughs) tell me about this horrifying monster (laughs) Okay, so his name is James Marion Sims, and he goes by Marion, but I call him Sims throughout my little thingy, um, which sucks because I really like the name Marion, <laughs> like from yeah. uh, it called Robin Hood made Marion. Um, <laughs> I've got that. So I got um, I got most of my information from LOL Wikipedia, um, <laughs> and. Also from a Vox.com article written by somebody named P.R. Lockhart. Okay, so let's talk about this guy, James Marion Sims. He was born in 1813, and he had nine children with, I think, with one wife. So that's pretty fucking impressive. Nine fucking children. There's no fucking wife. It's a good thing he was a psychologist. Right, yeah. So he is commonly known as, quote, the father of gynecology. Because he came up with a lot of shit. Um, He invented the Sim Speculum, which is a predecessor to the speculum that most gynecologists use today, like the one that you've probably had shoved inside your vagina. Um, So he, he was very controversial because his thing is that he would experiment and perform surgery on female African American slaves without anesthesia. Oh, yes, I have heard of this man. Yes, we do not care for that. Okay, so now the thing is, he did contribute a lot to the medical field of gynecology in particular. But we don't like him because he treated a lot of enslaved women really, really badly. Obviously, as many people did. Right. Back in the day. Because then is a time to. Yeah, you know, white guys. Okay, so. A little background on this guy. He went to Jefferson Medical College in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and he was considered, quote, a lackluster student who showed little ambition after receiving his medical degree. So that sounds promising, right? Glad he's, like, keeping up with the research. Right. Oh, my God. This fucking dude. Um, He, (laughs) a quote from him, he actually said, Quote, I felt no particular interest in my profession at the beginning of it, apart from making a living. I was really ready at any time and at any moment 
to take up anything that offered or that held out any inducement of fortune because I knew that I could never make a fortune out of the practice of medicine. He was like super passionate. (laughs) Yeah. So he obviously just loved what he did. Um, And it's like, that's kind of surprising though, that like doctors back in the day didn't make a lot of money. Um, I feel like, yeah. But I, I also know. feel like they were kind of like those people that were, like, riding around in wagons with their horse selling, like, cocaine elixirs. You know what I mean? Oh, right. Like, the trap. You got goats in your blood. Barber. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. The barber was also your doctor. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I feel like, you know, I don't know if they were making a lot of money. Maybe if you worked for, like, a hospital or something. But. Right. Um, and private practices were different. Shit's changed. I think eventually he did make a lot of money because as I'll get to later, he, he does open his own hospital. Um, actually, I think he opens like a couple. Okay. So after he got his medical degree, he moved back home to Lancaster County, South Carolina. Uh, his first two patients died. So he moved to Alabama. So he's off to a great fucking start. He's got a wonderful reputation, had to fucking move all 10 of his children right off the bat okay yep okay so he became a plantation physician in alabama so he literally just works on slaves on plantations um (laughs) his first experiences treating uh plantation slaves and i'll use that term loosely because i don't know anyway okay so his first experiences were operating on club feet cleft palates and crossed eyes like i wouldn't let this guy come anywhere near my fucking eyes <laughs> oh um, amanda the only other option is the barber it's oh, 1842 God, no. <laughs> <laughs> i love that um so let's see within a few years he had the largest sur- surgical practice in the state and it was the largest practice that any doctor in montgomery alabama had ever established wow so like at the time he had like a pretty big fucking deal going on okay um, oh, here, fun fact, slaves made up two-thirds of Montgomery's population in 1840. Oh, two-thirds. Okay. Were they, okay. Rise up. A kind of ignorant question. Were they still enslaved? Yes, they were, because yes. he was a doctor for, okay, yes, got it. Yep, they were, yep, unfortunately. Wow, that seems recent. Right, that doesn't seem like that long ago. <sighs> this makes me sad. Okay, um, so he... Okay, one of the things that he's known for is um, developing a surgical technique to repair what's called a vesicovaginal fistula. So this thing, I'm not sure if a fistula is the condition or if it's the actual wound, but it's um, a wound between the bladder and the vagina, and it causes, like, incontinence, you know, like you're fucking, you're peeing out your vagina on accident. Oops. Um, So this um, occurred a lot of the time, like, during obstructed childbirth. So this was pretty common, and, like, you know, you don't want this to be a problem in your life because it makes everything difficult. You're accidentally peeing yourself. Um, Your, you know, your vagina's probably not feeling the greatest. You probably don't want to have so much sex. Anyway, um, so his technique involved silver wire suchers, to repair the hole caused by the fistula. So imagine having silver wire um, used to like staple together a hole inside of your vagina without anesthesia. That sounds fucking great, right? (laughs) This is a nightmare. So this guy really scares me. 
And <laughs> like horror person. movie. Yes. So that's, I don't know, this really interests me because I'm so fucking scared of this shit. Okay, so in the mid-19th century, gynecology was not a very well-developed field because, quote, the practice of examining the female organs was considered repugnant by doctors. Like, great. Okay, so, um, guess I'll die. Right. Repugnant is the word they used. Um, In medical schools, doctors were often trained on dummies to deliver babies, and they didn't see their first actual cases with, like, real women until they started actually practicing medicine right so they're like delivering babies but it's not real and then can you imagine like how many of them probably passed the fuck out when they saw like a baby's head poking out of a vagina for the first time kidding how funny (laughs) they're probably like this is a nightmare and it's like well you're a doctor so get it together my life (laughs) yeah so this guy sims he had no formal background in gynecology before actually starting his practice in Alabama, which is probably why he was working on, like, club feet and shit. Um, So he states, he wrote an autobiography, and in it he says, quote, if there was anything I hated, it was investigating the organs of the female pelvis. (laughs) Oh, my God. He has never been passionate about this. It's not even like he says anything good about, like, the giving of life. Like, no, nothing (laughs) like that. You know, it's the only, like, seriously, the only reason you could possibly want to go into gynecology is, like, you know, babies, I guess. Right. Or, like, just women. Nope. So this is, like, obviously the perfect guy to eventually earn the title of the father of gynecology. Like, he doesn't even like (laughs) thinking about (laughs) the female pelvis. Like, Jesus Christ. All right. All right, so now let's talk about his patients, or as I like to call them, his victims. Um, (laughs) Between the years 1845 and 1849, he operated on 12 slaves with this vesicovaginal fistula. So these women were brought to him by their owner. Um, Usually, I'm assuming against their will, but like, what choice did they really have? You know, I have this hole between my vagina and my bladder, and I need somebody to fix it. At least somebody cared enough to take them to a doctor, I suppose. But, you know, whatever. Okay, so most of these women's names were lost to history because, you know, they were unimportant slaves. Ugh, this just drives me nuts. Okay, so one of these women, though, her name was, I want to say it's pronounced Anarcha, which reminds me a lot of Anarchy, which I'm super into. Um, so she had this vesicovaginal fistula and a rectovaginal fistula. So she had a hole between the bladder and the vagina and the anus and the vagina. So she had like piss and shit coming out the wazoo. Um, Okay, listen to this shit, Taryn. He operated on this woman 30 times before successfully repairing her fistulas. 30 times without anesthesia. It's just unfathomable. After the first time, like I would just run away. I know. I don't know what the fuck I would do. I would just, I don't know. I would lose it. Okay, so this whole time, anesthesia was becoming more and more readily available, but he chose not to use it. Like, just for fun. Like, no. He was also unaware of the use of ether, or ether. I don't know how you say it. Um, even though that had been used as commonly, commonly used as early as um, 1842. So, like, that was an early form of, like, an anesthetic. Um, I thought that was okay. the shit that they, like, put over your face and you inhale the fumes and it, you pass out. No? I think I think you might be right. So, that's, like, what doctors were using 
at the time. And he claimed that he didn't even know that that was an option. And I was like, sure, you didn't. Well, I mean, didn't he say from the get-go, like, I'm not really into this field. Like, he's not, like, right. trying to keep up with scientific studies or anything to begin with. I mean, I don't know. Were there scientific studies in 1845? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, did this I'm woman survive? Thinking. Yeah. No um, She did. Um, did she have, like, a functioning okay, so... bladder? Eh, that I don't know. Um, the holes were repaired. That's the important part, oh. I suppose. I don't know. Um, okay, so at the time, it was a common belief that black people did not feel as much pain as white people, which, as we know, is not true. Jesus. <laughs> people are. Okay, so a lot of white women started coming to Sims for treatment for their fistula issues as well um, after they found out that he was successfully had successfully operated on Antarctica. Why was this such, like, a common problem? Like, I don't know. Um, I think it had to do with just complications of childbirth. And, like, I think you can, like, live okay with this condition. But, you know, it's uncomfortable. Well, and and don't, like, moms always joke about, like, how when they sneeze, they pee a little bit. You know what I mean? (laughs) I feel like it's just, it's unfortunately, like, Maybe that I don't know. I don't know if there's any. I am not well versed in this. I'm sorry to interrupt. Carry on. No, that's. I don't know a lot about baby giving. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. So let's see. Okay. So these white women started coming to him. However, none of them, due to the pain, were able to endure a single operation. Um. So these black women were either badass bitches or like forced. Okay. Yeah, so um, he claimed that he didn't like to use anesthesia during these types of surgeries, quote, because they are not painful enough to justify the trouble and risk attending their administration. And it's like, um, sounds like they might be. Good lord. Yeah. Um, paying him at this time? Was anyone paying him? Um, I think, like, the plantation owners would, would pay him. Um... Okay, so another one of his patients was named Lucy. Um, This is another African-American slave. Um, And she almost died from fucking sepsis. Um, He had operated on her without anesthetics in the presence of 12 other doctors. And he used a sponge to wipe urine from her bladder during the procedure. And this was like kind of experimental too, like using the sponge. Um, And she contracted sepsis because he accidentally left the sponge in her urethra. Good lord. Uh-huh. Oops. Did you ever uh, listen to that podcast called Dr. Death? Oh, yeah. And I watched the fucking Hallmark remake. Or, like, mm-hmm. yeah, there was, like, a TV show about it, too. Don't judge me. I, I watch both. No, it's fine. Um, yeah, so this is, that's kind of what it, it reminds me of. Um, pretty oh, wait, wait, wait. Okay. I'm thinking of Dirty John. Oh, Dirty John was good, yes. too. Uh, no, Dr. Death was is yes. <laughs> i think he's like still practicing he's a neurosurgeon now i remember he, dr death yes. he was just fucking up he left was, like, and paralyzing right and mur- people yeah yep he was paralyzing people and like people would just die and he would just like was- move to a different hospital like every year every time he would fuck something up and like get a lawsuit against the hospital he would like just move to a different state it's like how does this record not follow him from state to state like 
I could see I maybe know. if he was going to, like, Cuba to practice medicine. But, like, Jesus Christ, you're in America. How is there no record of you, like, <laughs> in all these pending lawsuits and, like, dead patients? Uh, yeah, I do remember that one. Wow. Thanks for reminding me. There are more oh, people in the world. Another horror story. Including yes. this man that you're telling me about. And I keep thinking. <laughs> Go on. Okay. Uh... <laughs> Um, it's widely speculated that he purposefully got these, um, women who were slaves, he got them addicted to opiates like morphine. However, he didn't use morphine during the operations. No, instead he gave them the opioids after the operations. So like, if you let me perform this surgery on you, I will give you, um, morphine afterwards. Cause I know that you're addicted to it now. And it's like, oh, all right, fine. I'll fucking let you, but I'm not going to like it. You know, oh, it's a fuck- yeah. Okay. So there's this other condition called neonatal tetanus. So um, it's caused by, uh, like, if you cut the umbilical cord with unsanitary tools or just like having an unsanitary environment in general. Um, so he actually, um, he kind of was the fir- one of the first people to figure out that, like, this is caused by unsanitary conditions. Um, however, then he fucked up by suggesting that it might also be caused by, um, skull bone movement during protracted births. So, like, the baby might develop this neonatal tetanus as they're coming out of the birth canal and their skull is, like, the bones are, like, kind of moving around. Oh, creepy. So, he, but he was wrong. Uh, but he decided to test this theory anyway. (laughs) Okay. So... He used, okay, do you know what a shoemaker's awl is? Yes. It's, okay, so it's like one of those things that, uh, like, to poke holes in leather, kind of? Yeah, yeah, we sold them up. Like a big, a big old stabby tool, uh-huh. right? Okay, so he would use that to pry the skull bones of the slaves' babies into alignment. However, these experiments had a 100% fatality rate. I'm so confused. So, what? So he thought that this neonatal tetanus was caused by, you know, the skull bones being fucked up and moving around. Um, So he was like, well, let me see if that's true. Let me fuck around with this baby's skull and see if, if the, if I fuck it up, if this baby will develop neonatal tetanus. However, they all just fucking died because he was literally like stabbing their skull bones with this fucking shoemaker's all. It's like, this seems like you're just poking it with a stick and you're a fucking idiot. Um, okay, so <laughs> he liked to keep the corpses to perform further experiments on. So imagine you're, okay, first of all, an African-American. <laughs> then imagine right. you're an African-American slave, which really fucking sucks. And then um, you're also a woman, which, you know, fucking sucks. Uh, then you have a baby. And then this guy's like, hey, let me t- try this thing. Let me just poke it with a stick for a minute. And you're like, I mean, I don't really have much say in this. And then your baby dies. And then he keeps the baby's corpse. So you don't even get to, like, have a fucking burial. I mean, that is, like, fucking insane. Especially because I feel like infant fatality rates were probably pretty high back then. Especially in, I would say, slaves who probably weren't getting the greatest, like, medical care. Right. And... I feel like the fact that these babies were born alive at all was kind of miraculous. So, yeah, I'd be pretty salty for sure. Yeah. So, 
he liked to blame the death of these babies. He liked to blame it on, <laughs> quote, the sloth and ignorance of their mothers and the black midwives who attended them instead of manning the fuck up and taking responsibility for being a shoddy fucking doctor. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, let's blame, you know, the mothers who weren't poking them with this pointy ass thing. Anyway, okay. Let's talk about racism. (laughs) All right. First of all, these women could not consent to being treated by Sims since they were slaves. You know, like I said, they didn't really have much choice. It's like, well, at least I'm going to see some kind of doctor. Um, So he literally owes all of his fame and wealth and his title of being the father of gynecology to these enslaved black women. Um, So there's this author named Harriet Washington, and she wrote a book called Medical Apartheid. I don't know if I'm saying that. Apartheid? I don't know. That's a word. Um, it isn't either. But she, there's a quote from her that says, each naked, unanesthetized slave woman had to be forcibly restrained by other physicians through her shrieks of agony as Sims determinedly sliced, then sutured her genitalia. Like, that sounds like a goddamn nightmare. Why are they, why is he doing that to them? Like, Jesus. Well, I mean, odd, I think- like. It just performing surgery on their yeah. vaginas. <laughs> um, so she said that, but then I've also read that sometimes other slaves were forced to hold each other down instead. So it's like, all right, now it's your turn. Oh my God. But, okay. Um, in his later life, he moved to New York and he opened a women's hospital for white women. Um, so they built a statue of him in Central Park, and it says nice things on it, like, <laughs> in recognition of his services in the cause of science and mankind, awarded highest honor by his countrymen. Like, wow, thanks. Thanks so much, dude. Um, you did a good job. Um, and I have more to say about that later, um, about his statue. Okay, so, statue. Uh, yeah, um, he also toured European hospitals, and he even worked on the fistula. Of the French Empress, okay, let's see, Eugenie de Montijo. Um, I bet she had anesthesia. I would hope. Good Lord, she's a royal. Uh Uh-huh. Okay, so after this, like, he became pretty famous, and he started charging a lot more for his surgeries because he thought he was a big shot. Um, So, basically, he began only treating wealthy women. Like, awesome. Um, So, now he's in the big leagues. Um... He also started treating things. Oh, this is fun. He also started treating things like insanity, epilepsy, hysteria, and other disorders of the nerves. So like mental illness. Mm -hmm. Um, At the time, these ailments were thought to be caused by disorders of the female reproductive system. You know, men in like mental hospitals? Uh, I don't know. Um, You know, they always called it female hysteria. It's like. Oh, the women's just being crazy again. Oh, yes, yes. You haven't seen fucking crazy. Full-minded okay. woman. <laughs> yes. So his treatment for these disorders was simply to remove both ovaries. No big deal. <laughs> That'll do it. <laughs> That'll do it. That'll fix her right up. <laughs> she could be president. <laughs> oh, my God. So fathers and husbands also began bringing their daughters and wives to Sims usually against their will, to cure their hysteria and their improper behaviors related to sex. Oh my God. 
Okay, so do you want to know how he treated this? How? Do you know what a clitoridectomy is? Is that just where they remove it? Yeah, they take away your clit. Oh, God. Like Alexa and Maid's Tale. Oh, my God, yes. Oh, my God. That, oh, that would just, that's honestly one of the worst things that I can think of that could happen to me personally. (laughs) I mean, to anyone, really. (laughs) Um, so did you, who the fuck was it? There's like a rapper. Uh, who am I thinking of? Ja Rule. Uh, T.I. T.I. That's it. You know where I'm going with this. <laughs> you know. I know. He doesn't, or he, what? He has his daughter, like, go to the gynecologist every six months to make sure her hymen is still intact. It's right. that has, oh my God. She's like... 18 <laughs> right she's like okay first of all daddy has daddy doesn't need anything to do with baby's vagina no no daddy doesn't need to know anything about that um second of all who gives a fuck if she's a virgin third you can't tell if someone's a virgin just because they're hymen like most people their hymen gets fucked up and destroyed and falls apart like by the age of like 10 or 12 because of like cartwheels or riding a bike or you know like anything anything that like involves you opening your fucking legs <laughs> like, huh, I didn't know that or like horseback riding you know like I don't know it's crazy so like okay let me get back to this yeah T.I. he's problematic <laughs> um he okay so this Sims guy he eventually got kicked out of the women's hospital that he opened in New York, he got kicked out because he wanted to treat a woman with uterine cancer. So his colleagues didn't think that they should treat her because cancer isn't necessarily a woman's disease. Um, so they kicked him out and he ended up founding the New York Cancer Hospital, which, I mean, I guess that's a good thing, right? So he went from like lady bits to just cancer in general. Well, I mean, that's probably better. I mean, I'd rather have him focus on, you know, the world as a whole, because it sounds like he, like, is kind of accomplished, but he's just immoral. Yeah, I agree. Um, okay, so here's the best part of my story. He died of a heart attack in 1883 at the age of 70. Okay. Well, that's good. <laughs> I mean, I- yay, he's dead. <laughs> Um, okay, so let me get back to, um, this is my ending statement with, uh, in regards to the statue. Okay, so in 2018, there was this big protest in New York surrounding a statue. And I remember reading about this as it was happening. Um, So a lot of women, especially black women, wanted the statue to be removed since this dude was a douche for operating on the vulnerable community of enslaved women with little to no choice for any other option of treatment. Um, So I remember seeing these pictures of women protesting in front of the statue and they were like, they were wearing like the surgical gowns and they had like blood on their stomach, like like vagina area um so eventually the mayor had he didn't take the statue down permanently he he had it moved to the brooklyn cemetery where sims is actually buried Mm -hmm. um and then they also stuck a plaque next to the statue um explaining his work on black slaves and it um is i don't know if it's actually up or if they're still like working on it but it's supposed to mention the three patients that they know the names of Lucy and Arca and Betsy were the three 
of the 12 slaves that he operated on that, you know, their names have been remembered. Right. So that's my story about James Marion Sims. That's scary. Yes. Um, I feel like you have a phobia of the gynecologist. Like I have a phobia of the dentist because I feel <laughs> like you have had more issues involving that. And I feel yeah. like I've had a lot yep. of like dental issues. You know what I mean? Like, well, I've had a lot of dental issues too. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. I guess you kind of have. Well, listen, let's take a break and then we can do this again. I can send you another invitation. Um, that way then, um, the recording is like cut in half. So my story's first and then your story. And that way I can maybe have an easier time editing. Does that sound okay? Okay. I'll invite you in a minute. As I said before, I was trying to do kind of like things that led to actual breakthroughs and successful testing. And a big one that I saw was like about radiation. There were like so many different, um, I don't know, I guess different experiments that they did on people. And a lot of them were unknowing experiments. Um, The most popular one, obviously, was like the Manhattan Project. And um, it was where they were trying to test and build the atomic bomb. And people that project workers that worked there, um, like handled plutonium with their hands and breathed in the dust. Oh, no. Yeah, they had like no idea that like the, um, I guess, dangers and the harms of it. And so they started testing patients by injecting them with plutonium. The 18 people specifically that they tested between 1845 and 1850 were all considered like terminally ill, but they were not aware that they were even a part of the experiment. So they were just kind of telling them that it was like, you know, some sort of experimental like um, um, medication or treatment to help them with their pre-existing condition but really they were like injecting them with um radiation to see if it could like cure their cancer and that kind of thing which actually did end up coming out you know as like kind of a cure for cancer yeah a treatment at least right and then oh god a group of people from MIT and Harvard did a study and Um, It was this group of handicapped boys. uh, They worked with Quaker Oats and fed them. Like, Quaker Oats is making all of these different um, claims saying that their food was good for you, but they, like, really couldn't prove any of it. So (laughs) they worked with the, like, this study, and they paid these people from MIT and Harvard to give um, radioactive isotopes, put it in their Quaker oatmeal when they would, like, take them out and hang out with them. And they would prove like, oh, yeah, you know, like our oatmeal is good for you because they were thinking that like radiation was good for you at the time. Like, oh, my God. So like these these boys are just they have no idea that they're feeding this to them. Right. And they're like kids that live in like a foster home. So it's not someone is like standing up for them. Oh, my God. There was also like. I don't know. I think you kind of talked about this. There was like a nutritional study of poor pregnant women by Vanderbilt that they were given radioactive iron and um, tested the effects to tested to see if it had like any effects on their babies. Oh, Jesus. Um, oh, my God. Yeah, it was crazy. It's like, and you don't then, know if this is good for you or not, but here you go. Right. They, I guess oh that's one way to find out. Um, they're also, um, in 1957 in Nevada, they were like testing, you know, all of the, um, atomic bombs 
like in the middle of the desert, but they were also unknowing to the people that lived in this town. They were actually testing like um, the effects that the radiation runoff would have on them. So they were called like downwinders and it was just kind of like all the dust and everything, all the water that would like drain down into their water. Um, it was in their community's groundwater was all affected by this. And um, up to 2,000 people died, but if it affected 20,000 people in the community that um, they think, like, the majority of them died of either, like, leukemia or, um, I don't know, there were a couple different, like, terrible things that happened to them. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was rough. Um, but, I mean, it's, I feel like... <laughs> It's almost like after Chernobyl, you know what I mean? Like how terrible and devastating of an event that was, but mm-hmm. they were able to see the side effects for years and years after, you know what I mean? Like how the plant, like um, plants and, you know, greenery and the animals and like the habitat around it, like are still sprouting up somehow. It's fucking weird. Um, and then, of course, there was like the radium girls that painted the glow in the dark numbers on the watch faces for people in the military so they could like see their watches at night and um of course my favorite murder girls did this uh, yeah uh, did a bit about them too and they would like point the brush with their mouth and so they started experiencing like all these problems with their teeth and their jaws and like they started kind of like disintegrating and it was just horrifying and awful especially because of my dental phobia <laughs> and, um it, but it was crazy because it wasn't just affecting like their mouth and their faces it was like it would fuck up like their hips or their feet and their spines a lot yeah like just any oh it was just like massive bone decay it was terrible and it um at the time i remember um the my favorite murder episode about this it was so good oh my god it's one of my favorites it was a good (laughs) so uh, i think it was georgia who told it and she said that um they were also putting the radium in like everything like fucking water they were like selling water with like little bits of radium in it it'll put a glow in your cheeks and like you know lotion and moisturizers and shit and just it's like y'all don't really know what this is gonna do to you like yeah it makes your cheeks a little rosy but then your fucking jaw falls off after a few weeks like jesus yeah yeah and like they're putting it like makeup and shit it's like you're putting it directly on your skin Mm -hmm. but i feel like it's also kind of how you know like e-cigarettes are right now i mean it it makes me sound so old but i feel like you know nobody really knows what the effects are for another like 50 years when people who've been doing it their whole lives actually you know are able to be studied yeah i mean if it's got a lot of the same components as regular cigarettes i feel like we can kind of predict what's going to happen like you know right cancer and wrinkles and yellow teeth like well it's weird because like they are constantly talking about how you know it doesn't have like all the same side effects or whatever but it's like no it might not have the same side effects but it has some side effects yeah. like we just they are yet right we don't really know quite yet Right. And let's see what else. Oh, there were plenty of like psychological experience uh, experiments like MK Ultra was a big one. Tell me about um, that. I don't I feel like I don't really know a whole lot about that. So I don't I didn't put like a ton of stuff in here, but a lot of them are kind of like connected. Um, it was from 1953 to 1973. Um, they employed various methodologies to manipulate mental states of um, American and Canadian citizens. They were unwitting human tests. Um 
they were given LSD and other mind-altering drugs. There was also um, hypnosis, sensory deprivation, isolation, sexual and verbal abuse, various forms of torture, sleep deprivation, all that good stuff. Um, And they kind of were just trying to see what they could do to manipulate people into doing anything they say. Kind of like Nazis, you know? But there are, like, so many... They were just kind of, like, experimenting on people to see, like, if they could just, you know, basically turn them into, like, killing machines. But now we have drones, so I feel like we don't have to do that. Yay! Like, literal killing machines. Um, But, like, I feel like there are also lots of other human experiments that people do, too, like, more recently that are less harmful. Like, there was that one study that was pretty recent, and it was, like, an actor would play a doctor, and they would have, like two people meet and one person would be in on the study and the other person was like the test subject. Well, they told one, the test subject, they're like, okay, you're going to stay in the room with the doctor and you're going to ask this guy questions. And if he doesn't know the answer, you're going to like shock him with this little buzz buzzer thing. Oh my God. And, um, but it like, it started like low and it's just like a buzz, but then it like goes up to like excruciating pain and like, they can't see each other. He can just hear the other guy who's in on it like on the other side of the wall, like screaming in pain. And so the doctor, you know, or so the guy is asking, um, you know, him questions. And for everyone that he gets wrong, he has to like zap him. And, you know, a lot of people will like question it. They'll like, look at the doctor and be like, should I be doing this? Like, you know, they'll like kind of question the doctor, like, is it okay that I'm doing this? Like, you know, is this for real? And the doctor will just keep telling them like, yes, carry on. Yep. Keep going. And like, it just kind of goes to show that like people automatically, kind of respect and listen to authority figures even if they know that it's not necessarily ethical you know what I'm saying so I feel like it doesn't you don't even really need to like brainwash people into listening most people will just do what you tell them if it's like a figure of authority you know it's like he wasn't even a real doctor he was just an actor in a lab coat like (laughs) right I mean if you go into an office and there's a dude dressed like a doctor you're gonna assume he's probably a doctor (laughs) For sure, right. Like, uh, what was that doctor movie you were telling me about? God damn it. The podcast. Dr. Death. Dr. Death. God damn. Um, so, like yeah. He, that was- He was a doctor, though. Like, I think he, I, I'm pretty sure he actually has, like, a medical degree. He just really sucks at being a doctor. Well, it's kind of like that one woman. Oh, my God. They recently had a documentary about it on Netflix, and she was, like, selling all the opioids and shit to that entire town oh shit really i don't have one fuck i forget what the name of it is but it's really good you have to watch it i'll find i'll find out but um anyway yeah like this guy was like you know his son died of an opioid overdose and so he was like what the hell like where was he even getting all of this from so he kind of like started you know his own like private investigation like investigating this and yeah come to find out like It was this one woman doctor and her hours were really strange. She was open from like noon until midnight and there was always like a line around her door. Like she would literally just have pre-written scripts of, they call it like the Holy Trinity or whatever. It's like Xanax, Oxycontin and something else. (laughs) Oh my. I know. I know. I'm just like, Jesus Christ. So anyway, I got really sidetracked just with like terrible doctors, I guess. Uh, so let's see. Project Bluebird turned to Project Artichoke, which turned to MK Ultra. Um, in Project Bluebird, researchers overdose or researchers dosed over seven thousand military personnel with LSD without them knowing. 
in uh, Maryland. And then Project Art, it turned into Project Artichoke, which was to determine whether a person could be involuntarily made to perform an act of attempted assassination. Quote, can we get control of an individual to the point where he will do our bidding against his will and even against fundamental laws of nature, such as self-preservation? So they're, I don't know. Um, at first, they used coke, marijuana, heroin, peyote, and mescaline, but they increasingly saw LSD had the most, was the most promising drug. Yay! Uh, and then Operation, Operation Midnight Climax. Um, it was where, in San Francisco and New York, there were unconsenting subjects that were lured to safe houses by prostitutes on the CIA payroll. Unknowingly, they were given LSD and mind-altering substances and monitored from behind one-way glass in the hotel rooms. Um... Let's see. And then there was another like sub project, 68 in Canada, where they experimented on people to dead patent individuals and like erase their minds and memories, reintroducing um, or reducing them to a mental level of an infant. And then they tried to like rebuild their personality in their like a manner of their own. Oh my God. Yeah. It's pretty fucking crazy. Um, but then there were, like, I guess, I don't know if any of these are even, like, I feel like the only ones that people can do now are kind of, like, psychological. You know what I mean? Like, nobody is, like, letting anyone physically test them unless they consent. You know what yeah. I mean? Because it was, like, 1995 or 1997 or something, Bill Clinton passed this law basically saying, you know, like, torture is legal and, um, you know, like, um apologizing to those women that were enslaved and like experimented on and um you know just like apologizing to like test subjects but the thing is he announced all of this shit the same day of the oj simpson trial so it was kind of like overlooked mm-hmm. and like it was a really small ceremony and like the media didn't even really like cover it or anything because they were all talking about like oj simpson um so it kind of sucks, but it was something that, like, you know, Bill Clinton finally addressed where, like, all these people who have been <laughs> experimented on for the sake of science over the years. Like, wow. Well, thanks for, you know, acknowledging. <laughs> right. And then the only one that I found that was, like, actually kind of, like, a good story was Jonas Salk, and he uh, created the polio vaccine. So at first, in the beginning of his um, career, he was, like, not really respected in the scientific community. Um but once he started developing this vaccine, like, super quickly and testing it on monkeys, um, they kind of started realizing that he was onto something and he's, like, pretty intelligent. And then in 1952, he actually tested it on himself, his wife, and his three children. Um, and then also a sample of, like, 18 kids at this home for crippled children. And it, they were all successful. Like, the, um, I guess, like, by... 1954 there were 1.8 million people that had used the vaccine and like did not contract the disease um but then he actually didn't patent it and he ended up earning no compensation and when he was asked who owns the patent he said well the people there is no patent could you patent the sun i love that i know it's so crazy like what an interesting way to think of things and it wasn't even that long ago it was like 50 60 years like right i mean if only they would have done the same thing for like insulin right yeah fucking right they knew that everyone in america would have diabetes by 2050 (laughs) i know but it's just it's fucking insane i'm gonna get a little sidetracked here but like like 
a lot of people I've read are trying to like ration their insulin because they can't afford it. So like people are dying left and right because they're only taking like half of what they're supposed to take. And it's like, well, I can't afford it until, you know, next month. So guess I'll just like use this much until then. And it's like, that's not enough to keep you alive. So then they just die. And it's like, shouldn't that is happen. crazy. It's unbelievable. Yeah. No, it should Because it's out there. It's available. There is treatment. They just can't fucking afford it. And that shouldn't be allowed. So, yeah, mine definitely was not um, <laughs> as well thought out as okay. yours. No, I mean... It it was really hard to just pick one, but, like, I was going through, like, a list of human experiments and stuff, and I was like, what? Like, how would I even write this? Like, I want to get so in-depth about all of them. <laughs> so right. I, kind of, I was like, well, this one scares me, and this guy's an ass, and, like, he, I don't know, the more I read about him, the more interested I became, so I was like, I'm gonna have to just stick with this one. Like, I've already invested 30 minutes reading about him. Right. <laughs> yeah, I was like, well, maybe I should just do it about, like, um, people who experiment on, like, prisoners or, you know, pris- prisoners and slaves and things. And But then I started reading more and more about him, and I was like, I could do a whole episode just on him. Yeah. Yes, you I did. You did a good job. Did. Hey, thank you. I did a lot of copying and pasting, which I was like, as I was doing, it felt so unnatural because I been trained my whole life like never copy and paste especially from wikipedia you know and i'm just like oh i i'm allowed to do this this is my podcast i can say the fuck i want this is public information i'm you know citing my sources i'm putting proper things in quotes like it's i mean i'm i'm trying to do it like as best i can but it still didn't feel quite natural just copying and pasting into a Word document. I was like, oh, my God, my teacher is going to be so mad at me. <laughs> Dude, I kind of felt the same way. Um, I definitely did not use reputable sources either. I definitely use, like, Wikipedia and all this interesting. Yeah. No, all that's interesting is a good one. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how accurate either of them are, but whatever. Does it have to be? I, mean... <laughs> I never said I was, like, a fucking professional researcher. No, I, yeah, I mean, I've even, I accidentally stumbled across a couple of, like, um, scientific journals and stuff, and I was like, I was like, oh, no, this is too smart for me, and I quickly backed out. I was <laughs> right, I can't wait to do this. Yeah, I mean, they're just, they're so long, and it's, it's like, this sounds so stupid of me but like they're not divided into very nice little sections like wikipedia is where you know it's got like early life you know uh history background you know it's like i don't know (laughs) that is a nice like concise resource you know what i mean it gives you an overview you can skip to whatever section you want like i feel like a scientific study you're reading and you're reading and reading and reading and you're like 30 pages in and it's like jesus christ have i even hit the first or the second point yet like (laughs) Yep. Oh my goodness. All right. Well, I could talk to you forever. So do you want to just talk on the phone and stop recording? Yeah, that's fine. I, all right. So that was our first episode and what do we say? Conspiracy sisters unite. Conspiracy sisters unite. That's our thing. Oh God. I just like said it one day and I was like, this is stupid. Let's do it. I love it. No, I love Uh, it. It's perfect. I will call you on the telephone then.